That mouse is not the thing. What do you do? Oh, it is. What are you doing? What are you doing? Crazy talk. All right. Don't touch it. Don't kick it. Don't kick it. All right. Welcome to here, where we are, Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. I'm Gordon McGlattery. I'm Matthew Martinson. And uh, thanks Take, for listening. Yeah. Um, so, back again at it. Mm-hmm. What are we going to talk about this time? Uh, we are going to talk about, are there stupid questions? Is the old adage correct? Yeah. Or not? Yes, there is. Apparently, according uh, to Matt, there are such things as stupid yeah, questions. Yeah, so let's, let's start there. I had a rant a couple weeks ago that I went off on Facebook and Elo and just just I had had enough. I've been really trying to like reach out and help people on the internet, on Reddit, on Twitter, here with the podcast, trying mm-hmm. to like share information and bring us all as a sound design community together in wonderful harmony. <laughs> and I just keep seeing so many questions that I don't know if it's cuz I went to school and I learned all this stuff before opening my mouth. Mhm. That I see questions that I'm like, you should know that. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that people are dumb out there. I don't – just like you, you all start somewhere. You all start not knowing anything. I started not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. But especially in this day and age, like Google, it's your friend. When you've got a question, just Google. Every, everything's – almost everything's been answered before. Yes. And I think that's what was driving me crazy is people are asking like basic things that you – that the information's out there. A few keystrokes away. Yeah. Yeah. But we're also risking people being afraid of asking questions, which we don't want either. No. That's I – guess, I guess my big rant really was Google. Google that stuff first. And if yeah. like well, you Google think- a question and nothing comes up, if you're listening to this, it. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably are already – the search and discover type anyways. Yeah, you found us. Yeah, you found us. So you're already educating yourself. That's good. So. And I mean we reach out for questions every every time we record. Yeah. I'm like I love questions. And I started using uh ask.fm mm-hmm. to like ask me questions. I'll answer big long things and I'm ha- I'm like happy to answer. Just don't ask the basic stuff. Right. Like, search for that. Do you get educate yourself a little. Like I don't, I'm not saying like everybody's got to go to school, but there is tons of ways to educate yourself out there. Like do the basic groundwork to show that to me as somebody that you're going to ask questions of, like show that you've got the interest enough to be like, okay, I figured this out and I came to a roadblock. Right. You know, I know what a microphone is and how it plugs in. Right. So what, like, yeah, what is an example of a question that might push you over the edge? Oh. Just super basic recording things. Yeah. Which end of the mic do I talk into? Yeah. Does that happen? You know, like, what kind of cable do I use for a microphone? Right. You like, t- yeah, you just, basically, you typed that into the wrong query bar. Yeah. You yeah. You, you put that as a, like, <laughs> post on Reddit and not, a, like, a Google search. Yeah, it was actually more work. <laughs> and there's so many great, like... There's Reddit is a great spot to learn from these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Gearslut's forum, and um, for Pro Tools, there's the DUC. There's tons of like forums and internet 
sites that have been around for ages. Yes, where these questions have been asked in forever. internet time. Yeah, that everyone's already asked these already. So yeah. gear related questions is a big one. People ask what headphones should they buy? Yeah. Every couple of days. <laughs> what <laughs> monitors should I get? The answers are always the same. Yeah. Everybody just says what they have. Yeah. <laughs> you should get what I have. <laughs> Because that's the only I wanna, thing I've experienced. I want to validate what I've got, so you yeah, should get it you too. You should get it too. If the whole world is listening to Yamaha's, yeah, then uh, then my mixes will be perfect. Yeah, gear questions too are super. Like they go from uh, you should buy the best thing there possibly is and shouldn't buy anything else mm-hmm. to whatever you've got like is the best thing ever. Yeah, and it's and you got to find. For yourself, when you're answering yourself that question, what should what gear should I get? Mm-hmm. You got to evaluate a bunch of stuff that's so personal to you that nobody can answer it but you. The I is in the question. What yeah. gear should I get? Yeah, we like, just have to change the emphasis. What's your budget? What's your purpose? What's like? There's so many things that are unique to you. That's why I like anytime anybody asks for speakers. What speakers should I get? What headphones should I get? Yeah, go to the store and listen to them. Yeah, which ones do you like? Yeah. Which yeah. ones work for you? Like mm-hmm. I I know tons of people with KRKs. Yes. I hate them. Yeah. I went and listened to them when I bought my monitors and I listened to a bunch of KRKs and I was just like so unimpressed, did not like them. And I had a budget, so I couldn't get just get the best thing there was. Mm-hmm. And I just kept going up the range until I was like, you know what? I can't hear a difference between this one and the next one, and it's a doubling in price. Right. I can't hear a doubling in value sound-wise to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I stopped. Yeah, that's a really good uh, method to use. You know, so you got it. Like part of it, unfortunately, is is budget. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of that plays into personal gear. Absolutely. Stuff. And at the end of the day, having something to do your job is better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. People get great mixes out of KRKs. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to fault. There's lots of people that use them. They're still a company that's around, so obviously lots of people are buying their stuff, and music and sound effects are coming out of them, so they work for some people. Yeah. They just yeah, didn't seem absolutely. to work for me. Exactly. Gear is a very personal thing. Speaking of stupid questions, yes. Uh, even more, what irks me more, yeah. probably because I've done it, yeah. is stupid answers. Yeah. And un, and bad bad advice where you're giving advice without having Google it yourself. That's a super hard going thing. Going off of hearsay. And and this will tie into uh, the mastering topic that we're going to go into later, which is Spoiler probably alert. the like ultimate criminal of, uh, <laughs> of uh, bad, bad advice <laughs> and uninformed advice, uh, which will probably proliferate. Within the podcast. Probably. <laughs> I'm still just faking it. I don't know what I'm doing. So anything yeah. I say. Like, and the things distrust. that I see a lot, uh, or one that has popped up a couple times this week, has been pitching pitching and gender bending of a voice. Right. Uh, a few people have asked in different on different uh, forums, how can I t- turn my voice into a female voice? Right. And... The real only answer to that is get a female to do it for you. Yeah. There are there are lots that's, of willing women voice actors. Yeah, and that's a, a that's a something that I've given advice. It's possibly the advice you don't want to hear a lot of time when yeah. you're like, how do I fix this? Turn this into something else. Mm-hmm. 
you know, modify this. I, I, I have A, but I need B. Yeah. How do I get there? Some cases it's like, well, you actually just need to start with A. Yeah. It exactly. starts with performance, mm-hmm. be it uh, vocal performance, uh, recording performance, Foley performance, whatever it is, maybe you just didn't record it right. Right. And you need to go back to that stage and record it again, whatever it is. Yeah. And especially if it's the wrong sexed person. Exactly. And the reason behind that, if we want to get technical uh, for people that are interested and don't know, is that uh, male and female voices have different formant structures. Yeah. The resonant peaks and valleys within the vowel sounds are different between males and females uh, Mm -hmm. relative to one another. So if you pitch up a male voice, the relativity of the formant peaks is going to stay the same. It's just going to be higher so that's why it sounds like a chipmunk and that's why that's the why you can tell the difference between robert plant singing who's singing super high still sounds like a male can still be discerned as a male yeah and someone like fiona apple who would sing very low right but is still very very much sounds like a female yeah so the there are plugins that are trying to do it and the yeah closest, they're attacking the formants they're doing yeah. format changing they're doing format shifting the cl- the best i've heard and but I would still be using this for more to make th- something sound weird, right? Uh, the best I've heard is uh, EarCam tracks, mm-hmm. um, but it's expensive. And that's unfortunately some of the some of the tools to fix your problems. Exactly, are really expensive. Like you could just call your sister's friend or something, if, <laughs> and get it done for free, or else you could spend six hundred dollars on tracks or whatever it costs. Yeah. Or spend a couple hundred bucks on a good, you know, yeah. spend a hundred bucks and you, you can hire somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, done. Yeah. So, yeah, stupid questions. Stupid They answers. irk me. Like, I want, I think it irks me. I think it got into this whole rant thing because I want to share. I want to, like, help people. And you feel taken advantage of? Yeah, when you're asking the same dumb yeah. questions over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, come at me with something new. Yeah. Totally. Like I'm happy to give out information and I'm sure there's a ton of other people on the internet who are also willing to, to share, but like give us, it gets tiring. Yeah. Yeah. When you're like, Oh, I should, I should just keep a bank of copy paste, <laughs> you, you know, you answers. Could. You could. And don't get mad when it's not the answer you don't like. Yeah. Right. Like there's the people that are sharing information with you are not trying to like tell you you're wrong. They're just be like, this is the best way to do this. Unfortunately, maybe yep. you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. It's almost always because it was captured wrong in the first place. Right. It's, it's almost always fix. fix and I, I've people, heard people doing uh, like gear topics mm-hmm. that are just like, no, that that's not right for that. Unfortunately, you need to buy the really expensive thing. There's just no way around it. Like, yeah, not yet. What, what, what you want to do needs... This quality, like, you can't do that with what you want to buy. Right, right. How do I get the guitar sound of (laughs) Eric Clapton exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Out of my, like, $100 guitar. Yeah. Yeah. How do I get the super most quiet, wonderful ambience out of my H4? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, as you're saying about stupid answers, you got to... And it can be really hard. It hurts a, me extra because I know I've done it. Yeah. And that drives me insane. I want to go back in time and because I, I know, <laughs> I know I've spread information. I probably have done it on the podcast. Just yeah. said, talked out of my ass. So, and I think that's the, um, where it's hard as a new person 
mm-hmm. to how do I qualify all these answers? You ask a question, you get like 10 different people tell you things and they're all different and figuring out which people are right and which people are talking out their ass yeah, and which people are right in a different way. Yeah. A lot of times it's not straight up he's right and he's wrong. One that is really interesting that I find there's almost a gradient to yeah. is a room treatment. Right. Because you can get into a discussion about room treatment oh. with sound guys. Yeah. And they will be like, this is what I think a good sounding room is. This is how I've treated rooms in the past and I've gotten good recordings. Whereas once you get a couple of acoustic engineers into the mix, you were all wrong. Yeah. And I'm and, sure they and, I'm you, sure they would make the best sounding rooms though. So and then it's you get a gradient some, of how good you the product you're after. Like, and then you get some music guys in the mix. Yeah. Who are like we want a completely different like what's a good sounding room is a totally different thing. Exactly. They they like things to be a lot more live. Yeah. Yeah. But not too live. Not too live. Right. It's just the right just the perfect amount of liveness. Yes. So, yeah, so like so, we're recording here, um, we're recording the podcast at Clay this time mm-hmm. in in our our sound booth here, which I kind of made as dead as I could, yeah, because it's small. I cantered one wall, so it's not a rectangle. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, all I'm going to do is record fully in voice in here, so I'm just going to make it as kind of dead as I can, exactly, because that's the best I can do with this space. Yeah, and that would be advice I'd give to somebody coming from a music background looking to get into sound effects. Yeah, is that an, a, an, a good sounding room for music can completely depend on the music you want to record. Yeah, but you do like to have a little bit of natural reverb a lot of the time. Yeah, there's Whereas good rooms for classical and good rooms for rock and yeah. good rooms for drums and yeah. Whereas if you're recording sound effects, especially for games, when you're going to be doing all of your reverb and delays in engine, you want as dead as possible. Yeah. You want to start with nothing so you can add it in Mm -hmm. later. Whereas if you're doing film, you might want to get a lot of different perspectives. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Because you're going to just naturally put it in the space that it looks like it is on the scene. Yeah. That's the the best, best way to cut something. Yeah. So you alluded to we were going to talk about mastering. Yes. The dark art. did allude to it. And we're going to just misinform everybody as much as we can. Totally. Here's um, where both the stupid questions and stupid answers on our parts come out. Yeah. So we this would actually like to hear. Session. I think we would like to hear from you what you think mastering is <laughs> because it could be hilarious what we get. Yeah. It's, it is a dark, dark art. And mastering is a total another area where I get like un- like bent out of shape unnecessarily. <laughs> About because because uh, so many people have a different view of mastering, mm-hmm. and I come from music originally, and I yeah. think in the, my head, I have like that mastering is a music thing. Mastering happens when you're done your album, and it's how you unify all the tracks together. Yes, like in my head, that's what mastering is. And I've talked to like electronic music guys who it sounds like you're mixing. Yeah. Not mastering. Mm-hmm. And I'm all like, you're, you're wrong. Well, they're not wrong. They just use the term differently. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's it's, okay. Well, it's changed over time. Just yeah. like Just like the na- the word producer has completely changed. Totally. Like I, I grew up under the impression that George Martin was a producer. Yeah. And then that's what a producer did. Yeah. Um, but now we have bedroom producers who are just musicians, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, a reappropriation And then of in the between – Engineers who are producers. Yeah. And engineers who are not producers. Yeah. So, yeah, big gray areas. So, 
mastering in terms of what we do related to indie game audio. Right. There's so, kind of – I view it as there's kind of two different major areas of mastering. Okay. You're mastering music. Mm-hmm. Either before your game or for your soundtracks. Yes. Okay, sorry. Three. There's mastering your music, be it for your game or your soundtracks. There's mastering your sounds that go into your game engine. Mm-hmm. And there's mastering your sound effects library of things you've recorded yourself. Okay. And how would you define each of those things? Mastering your music is is more of a traditional mastering. Yep. You're mastering uh, slight EQ, slight compression limiting just to make everything sound, uh, you know, together. Yeah. I, I have been told the term uh, harmonically balancing it. Yes. Yeah. That's a good good way to, to put it. And especially if you're using multiple composers, say, on a game, yeah. this is something you're going to want to do so that everything is in the same ballpark. In cohesive. The same kind of, yeah, cohesive. Nice. It's just a little bit of glue to unify all of the music that's in your game. Yeah. And it's especially important, I think, if you're doing a soundtrack. You're going to release the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're going to want to have a mastering pass mm-hmm. on that. Um, then mastering your sound effects for your your game when you create your new sound effects. Now, everybody kind of approaches it differently, and I think it's part of it is how is it getting into the game. I think if you're using in-game uh, engine of some kind, middleware, mm-hmm. that you can do a mix in. Yeah. Wise, FMOD, Unity, whatever you you can make a mix with, mm-hmm. then you should. There's a big... I'm telling you what to do, and feel free to ignore me. Uh, you should make everything the same volume. Yeah. You know, you 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 set things so that you're using your most of your dynamic range as possible, and then you mix it in the engine. Yeah. Things are too loud, you turn them down. And yeah, well, that's the interesting thing about games is that the last step yeah. is not really touching. You're not printing a final thing of audio at all, no. ever. You're, the processing never ends. Yeah, but if you have no in-game engine, you're, it's just like play sounds. Yeah, then you kind of have to. Your mastering is really you're mixing all of the sounds to go with each other at the volumes they should be in the game. Yeah. So then you're got you've got sound files that are all over the place volume wise because mm-hmm. you it's mixed within the sound file. Yeah. Um, I had somebody asked a question similar to that a little while ago about that, and they had no. Sounded like they had no game engine, and it was like, how do I how do I mix this? I've done it before. I have as well. And uh, my kind of answer was, you you put all the sounds into your DAW, and you mix them against each other. And if you can get some game capture to kind of fake post, yep, like a, treat it like a giant cutscene, yep, that helps to give some. Well, then you reference. can figure because you you need to find a very happy medium with the music because yep. you cannot dynamically duck the music. Yeah, and I found usually it's like if it's a track that is mastered to I don't know minus six RMS or something pretty yeah. loud. Usually I wind up putting it about minus six or minus ten full volume. Right, and then but your sound effects have to be loud enough. So really, it all comes down to your ears. Just listen. Yeah, listen and compare it with something you think sounds professional. I want to just roll back a little bit. I think another thing related nope. to. Because kind of mastering your sound effects for a game kind of relates to mixing. Yeah. Um, the whole uh, loudness standards. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, just 
touch on that a tiny bit. Sony made a loudness standard. Everybody else has kind of signed on to it. Uh, your game should be minus 24 LUFS mm-hmm. or 22, I think. Look up the numbers because I'm very close. I'm to talking on my butt right now. Yeah. Um, which is their kind of standard is play record the entire game if you can. Yeah. Digitally and then measure it. Mm-hmm. And you should average out to this loudness over time, this this LUFS reading. Yeah. Which I think is a great idea. The more I think the more people that follow it, the better off we all are. Cause then we can kind of like get away from having a game loudness war before it ever really starts. I think it's like on the verge of really going down that path that the music industry did. That, it's already kind of happening. Yeah. I saw an interesting post. Uh, comparing the dynamic ranges of Forza with, I think it was Rise to the next gen games. Yeah, and it was pretty insane how compressed Forza was, which is still that's a good a, sounding game. Though. Yeah, and that's such a hard game to. Car games are so hard to to do that kind of stuff with to get get your dynamics because you're just like for the most part you're like a raging loud car engine the whole time. The whole time, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so pinned that's gonna... in fifth gear, like. So it's tough, but I think it's, I think it's good that people are pushing these standards and that we, um, and I think especially in the indie world, we, a lot of the times, cause we're not on consoles necessarily, mm-hmm. there's nobody saying you have to do this. No. But I think the more sound artists that go, Hey, we should really do this. It'll just be good for the game. Yeah. And it, the, the standards don't mean you have to be loud or you have to be quiet. Cause it's an overtime thing. It means you can, you can have a like no dynamic range, everything louder than everything else. It just means you turn down your master. Yeah. Or you can have a wildly dynamic game that has really loud parts, but then really quiet parts. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great thing to for everyone, every sound designer to look into and educate your dev teams about and, and follow through on. It's really cheap to do. Yeah. Like LUFS meters are cheap. Like the one Sony recommended in their, their guidelines was like 50 bucks or something or yeah. less. It's not bad. No. So, so you should totally do that. So, mastering your sound effects library. Okay, so I I have a system. What's your system? Um, I take everything out of my recorder and I throw it in a big folder. I'm the worst. Mastered. Done. <laughs> <laughs> the folder's just called mastered. As it's, soon as they're inside the folder, they're mastered. Well, it's it's actually I don't even I don't even <laughs> say that I'm mastering because I throw it into a folder called raw. Yeah. These are raw recordings. I unmastered. Right. So that's my mastering is not mastering. Yeah. Which I'm, is horrible. That's bad. Like I got so much stuff in there that I really should like do. So, so what's your process? As my, somebody who I do one? a little more. I don't do it as much as some people because I know some yeah. people like add metadata and stuff. I don't add metadata. Uh, I record. I open every file. Yep. I go put it into RX. I remove noise if I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I chop it up so all the stuff I don't want is gone. Uh, and then I... Name it uh, CLN for clean. Yep. And I save a raw and a clean copy. Okay. Because I was going to say how – It's both the same name. How hard do you hit RX then? Like are you ever afraid of I have going hit it, too far? I have hit it too hard in the past, which yep. is why I keep the raw copies. Right. Um, but I'm getting better with it all the time. If, if, if you come back and found you've hit RX too hard, do you remaster it? Yeah, I might. Like replace it with yep. a less? Yes. Yeah, but it hasn't happened too many times. Yeah. G- generally, like the weirdness 
that happens when you hit it too hard is happens on the tails and on the quiet transients. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my sound effects recordings are pretty hard transient uh, hits. Right. Um, otherwise, it's ambiences, and I'm generally not hitting RX very hard with yeah. ambience at all. Yeah. There's no more ambience. It's yeah, clean. where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to get a proper like process for my sound effects. I'm horrible. I have like folders and folders that I need to like that are like go through and sort this. Yeah, I used to have those. I finally have, I'm yeah. I'm caught up. I'm caught up. Now. You are a better man than me. I should just give you all my stuff. Yeah, that sounds fun. You you can have all this if, if you, you name it all it. and <laughs> master it. <laughs> uh, all right. So on to the next topic. This is just a like grab bag edition. We're just all over the place on this one. <laughs> so hopefully you will all enjoy this. Uh, next topic. Um, somewhere somebody said it was a question, I think. How do you make every game unique? Or it was like a comment like on Twitter, like to me, was just like all the clay games sound different and unique. How do you do that? Yeah. Something like that. I don't remember who said it. I remember telling you about it. It was it was on Twitter. Yeah. I can't remember who asked it either. Yeah. It's weird. So speak Terrible. up. Um, Please listen. I, I really like that question. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's super important. And I think like my answer is super easy, okay. which is often to limit your tools. Right. Limit your tools, limit your libraries. Yeah. Um, that's what I did with the Rogue Legacy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much with the sound effects because I was doing a lot of experimentation. But lim- like you, if you have a unifying tool or a unifying yep. sound library that is somehow snuck in every so- sound sound or song, then things are going to just tie themselves together a lot of the so, time. So um, makes me think I'm going to ask you. Um, it seems very easy to uh, pick a palette as a composer. Yes, that you're going to be like this is these yep. are the instruments I'm going to use for this this game this song. Yeah. So how how do you more apply that to sound effects design? Well, how do you limit yourself there? It yeah. has a lot to do with creating source. Yeah. Um, like you might grab S layer and you might take a library that you like. Mm-hmm. And just and throw it into S layer and create all this new source with it. Yeah. Uh, or throw it into Woosh, create all this new source with that. And the, so you will have these unifying factors that are kind of subliminal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that, that's what I do. I yeah. do a lot more source I, creation I, now. I I totally go along those sorts of paths as well with yeah. sound effects. So I don't do any composing. Um, uh, some sort of limiting factor guideline. To make things, and I mean, we've done such radically different games here at Clay. Sometimes, just the game itself makes it different, like the soundscape different. Yeah, totally. Like there's, there's, I don't think there's any way I could have made Ninja and Shank Two sound the same just because of what's in the game. Yeah, right. Like so, often the artwork will kind of speak yeah. to you. I find Duelist working on Duelist, the artwork just tells me what I need mm-hmm. to do. It's so distinctive. Um, so I find one of the ways to try and make a game unique is uh, partially through the HUD. I find that's really important to define a kind of like HUD front end sound that is unique 
to that game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because there's stuff like footsteps. Footsteps are going to be footsteps. Like, you know, and stuff like that. Um, In some cases, you can make that different. But to me, it starts with make a HUD sound skit that goes with the new HUD of that game. Mm -hmm. And that's where I get into what you're saying of, like, make a big library to work from. Like, I start off and I make a whole bunch of sounds and it's like, okay, these are my raw assets for all my HUD sounds for the rest of the game. And this is where I will pull from for everything. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, you have to, like, start that over if things radically change and it doesn't work. But, like, I start with a pool of sounds that becomes all of my HUD sounds. Yeah. Um, and then there's other things you can do, like um, like I was telling you in Invisible Ink, um, we've got this mainframe mode where you kind of go into this computer hacking mode. And I'm using bit crushing and ring modulating on every single sound that's in that mode mm-hmm. as a unifier for that mode. Yeah. You know. So then you can create the sounds with whatever you want. Yeah. But um, then they go through a certain, like, I always use part of those effects. Well, not on everything, but yeah. it's always, there's a little bit of that in there somewhere. Yeah. So that if you closed your eyes and somebody flipped over to mainframe mode, you'd be like, I know, I know I'm in mainframe mode. I know this isn't the regular game. Yeah, totally. And I, def- I definitely did the HUD thing with Rogue, Rogue Legacy. Yeah. It's interesting that you uh, bring that up uh, or say that you do it like that because all my HUD sounds – I was using the medieval – Boom's medieval weapons library so much, mm-hmm. which is like my favorite library in the whole world. <laughs> um, I was using that for all the, all the actual attack sounds and everything. Yeah. So then I was just like, why don't we just use this for all the HUD too? Yeah. And that definitely made everything come together. Yeah, just all the all the non-fighting sounds, mm-hmm. like, like the leathery snaps, and and I mean it leads into like HUD is like a pet peeve of mine, and front end sounds in, unfortunately, a lot of indie games. Yeah, they they miss them. Right, there's like whole screens that don't have sounds and stuff, or spots that should click or yeah, it know, can be so satisfying. Like you need confirm backwards, you know, front back, like forwards backwards, confirm cancel Mm -hmm. like you need those four sounds at the very least and you need to make sure that they are consistently everywhere and well and especially in like it's a feedback section sections of the game that are actually you did all this now you get this and you pushing the button like confirms that you just got something awesome and gotta have something there for that nothing happens you're like yeah Yeah. so like make sure and for me it's a lot of it's it's that you you dig through a couple menus you know, you're in the front end and you go into the options and you go another page deeper in the options and then there's no sound effects. I'm like, okay, you missed it. Like, you've got these sounds everywhere else and now they're not here. Yeah. Like, make sure you make a pass through the game and that every screen has your HUD sounds. Got to be it's consistent. Just, yeah, it's a unifying thing. And for me, as a super picky sound designer, as soon as I hit a screen like that, I start to be like, what else did you miss? Mm-hmm. I start to question the rest of the game. Yeah, totally. And not just the sound. It's just like, okay, you missed this. What else did you miss? Where am I going to find bugs or right, right, problems? Right, right. Like it's just – Yeah, and you can add so much character with HUD as well. It doesn't yeah. have to be the simplest, most boring sounds in the game. No, they can totally be super fun and they can be super identifying. Yeah. You know, you got a futuristic game, make futuristic – you've got a medieval thing, use yep. weapon medieval weapon sounds. And, yeah. You got you know. For Oak Close, I just did a HUD sound where you buy something and you get like a – silly party horn like <laughs> you can add a lot of humor within your hud you just you can add so much more character to the game yeah um we just did there's a there's a program in invisible ink called parasite 
So I made oh, it cool. all out of bug sounds. Nice. And then ran it through a bunch of ring modulation and bit crushing and stuff. So it's like, it sounds like there's bugs attacking the computer. Awesome. I'm like, yes. Sweet. <laughs> so yeah, you can have a lot of, HUD can be a lot more fun than you think it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think I get a little bent out of shape too, of like worrying about how I'm going to make my HUD different than the last time. So, so yeah, that whole make your, make your own source library for each game helps that. Yeah. Because then you're like, oh, I'm just going to pull from all of this. Yeah, you'll have short little things that you can snip yeah. out of there. Uh, Galactic Assistant is really great for that too. Yes, Soundmorph, really, right? Yeah, really yeah. cheap. Um, you can buy it just by itself, and it's got a random button, so and you can put it into record. It's a standalone program mm-hmm. that just makes beeps and boops and like square wave noises and stuff um, with some oscillators and some LFOs and stuff, and you can just randomize everything. So you just put it into record. And just keep pressing the random button. Yeah. And then you just got this huge file of, like, stuff. Yeah. And then you throw that into your DAW, and then you start messing with it. It's yeah. awesome. What are your thoughts on variations in HUD sounds? Because that's a new thing. Right. That's- I am – I don't like it a lot of the time. Yeah. I think your HUD should be consistent. Yeah. Um, and the same. And that's the information that it's trying to imply to the user. Right. You have gone forward. You have confirmed. You have confirmed the same thing every time, so it should be the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Up and down can sometimes be like pitch up or pitch down yeah. as you're going, but I don't like variety in HUD. I, I think it's confusing. I think you can I think you can make sounds that are close enough to one another, and it, I think it also depends a lot on the game. If you're, yeah. Because variations make things more organic. Sure. And... If you have a very organic game and a very visually organic HUD, mm-hmm. then I think you could definitely get away with variations in uh, your UI sounds. As I, I know, just it doesn't look organic, but yeah. uh, the Xbox One HUD sounds are there are variations now. Mm-hmm. And I think PS4 as well. I'll have to listen. Yeah, for that. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I don't know. Old, I don't know if there's really a point. I'm like, I don't. I don't like know it. if there's really a point. Um, yeah. That's, I guess that's where I come from. Was like I think it just adds confusion. Yeah, it might sound cool, but HUD shouldn't necessarily be cool. That's not its number one function. Mm-hmm. HUD's sounds to me, their number one function is to be informational. Yeah, and the rest is like they can be fun, but that's number two. Number right. one is inform player something. And a really design well designed HUD sound isn't going to get tiring anyway. Yeah. Usually, um, oh, you know what has cool HUD is uh, Steam Big Picture. Yeah, yeah. Where you you go along and it gives you one at a time, but then once you start scrolling, it does a gradual speed up. Yeah, and actually changes to sort of a rolling HUD sound. Cool. It's pretty cool. Separate assets. Right. Yeah. It's neat. Which like that kind of thing is still to it's me, still information. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're moving quickly through this. So yeah. you know that's a good thing to emphasize. Yeah. So it's just a more. I thought it was a more interesting approach than just playing the assets faster. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's cool. It's cool that they put that much into a wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> so we've exhausted that. Yeah. Playing any games? Yeah, I got a PS4. Yeah. I've been still playing a bunch of Destiny. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I picked up Watch Dogs because it was on sale. Right. I should have more to say about Watch Dogs than I do at the moment. Yeah. I've just kind of been playing it. Yeah, it's hard to comment on the sound. Yeah, when you're playing things, uh, I played Shadow of Mordor quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got this thing where I'm like, I have problems with it being a Lord of the Rings license. 
Yes. And that's why I haven't played it. I'm being like stick in the mud about that. Are you? Are you like an original? Are you a Tolkien? Not original Tolkien fan, but are you a Tolkien fan? I I am. I read it when I was a kid. I have uh, a record of him reading from it. Oh, cool! Which is really awesome. Yeah. Um. So I'm 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 not a like hardcore purist, but I think the the world is big enough and rich enough that you can tell stories in it without taking huge liberties with the canon. Right. Which I think this story does. Oh, absolutely. Which which is a shame. If it was to me, if this was just like fantasy game X, yeah. I'd probably be more into it because I hear it's a great game. And I'm gonna play it. Yeah. Cause I keep just hearing it's a great game. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna have to like check at the door my issues. The game is awesome. Yeah. It's super good. Sound is great. Yep. Yep. Everything well, I mean, it's it's triple A quality, so it's yep. Uh, I've been playing uh, Infamous too. Good, okay. signing, good signing game. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and I played. Finally played the new Wolfenstein. Oh, really? New Order. Okay. Uh, music is great in that. Yeah. And the stuff they did to like make new old songs. Yeah. Is was super awesome. Sweet. Um, it was a good sounding game. Nothing. I didn't feel anything like. Oh my god! This is a great sounding game. Like there's nothing jumped out at me. Of it was like it was good and solid. Like, yeah. I couldn't. I can't remember anything bad sounding in it, mm-hmm. but I can't remember anything amazing sounding in it. It was just like, it gave me what I wanted. Right. You know, it was Wolfenstein. I, you know, my expectations for the end was like, yeah, of course, that's what I got to do. That's as being a Wolfenstein game. That's what, that's what you do. <laughs> we know exactly <laughs> what you're going to do. Uh, I played Super Meat Boy, finally. Yeah. Very charming game. Very, very, very hard. That's why I I didn't get, like, I thought I was almost done. I finished the hell world. Yeah. And then it turns out there's, like, five more worlds. And I I was like, this is, I'm finished. Um, (laughs) I think I've only finished a, like, level or two of Super Meat Boy. Because I was just like, oh, yeah, this is one of these really awesome, really hard games. I don't like these things. (laughs) (laughs) Usually I thought I didn't like hard games. But I played it for a lot longer than I thought I would. Um, so something you wanted to talk about that you'd found uh, a, a interesting Reddit thread There was a nice on. nice big debate online uh, about iLocks. Yes. Which I have always been against right. ever since I first bought GTR now, and didn't know they existed years and years and years ago. I bought the GTR plugin and they're like, you can't use this until you buy this thing. And I've lost it. Oh, <laughs> so are you uh, are you against iLock or against copy protection? iLock. I'm particular. against I'm against having to own a physical product that yep. can break and is not not expedient to replace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has no bearing on whether or not the software functions. Right. I'm not against copy protection. I yep. think it's great. I think it, but I think it should be online. It's like keep my name in your database mm-hmm. and you have track of how many licenses are in use of mine. Yeah. And that's awesome. But yep. let me install my plugins wherever I want, uh, whenever I want, as long yes. as I'm not, as long as you don't see me licensing it from a thousand different places. Sure. I'm not like, woohoo, I lock. Yeah. I've seen the problems. Yeah. It is definitely not the necessarily the best solution. Um, and I did see the re- what the res- so-called response from somebody from iLock yeah. in that Reddit thread. Yeah. And I'm saying that because it was 
somebody said they emailed and asked a question and this was the response in an email. So this is it's like third hand at this point. Yeah. So and he would it, the, the response was basically you have to have some sort of protection and the people who are doing USB protections, all their stuff is cracked. And where does that get you? Yeah. And that then you can't make plugins because you can't make money because it's all cracked. Yeah. So I'm I, I'm that didn't come to me from him. So I don't necessarily trust it. Um, my beef with the whole situation is I used to have everything on my iLock. Yeah. For better or worse, everything was on my iLock. Um, all my plugin authorizations. Yes. My, my Pro Tools, my Waves, everything, my Sound Toys, everything was there. It meant I took one thing from home to work and back and forth. Yeah. That worked incredibly well for me because I have a home computer that I do work on. I have a work computer I do work on. And I work on it, both of them, each day. So I will, like, work at home, go to work, work at work, go home, work at, work at home at night on, like, you know, it's music or something. Yeah. Waves made their own copy protection thing. You can that, put it on a USB that stick. goes on a USB stick or to your computer. It gives you options, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I now have to carry two things around. Right. And take up two USB ports, which I'm like, this is dumb. Thankfully, uh, the Plugin Alliance also uses the same system that Waves does. So yeah. my Plugins Alliance stuff went onto that USB key. Mm-hmm. But there is products that use other USB type dongles. dongles, other dongles that I'm like, not a lot left anymore, though. What, UAD? Well, you UAD, got, you have to have the whole you hardware. You have to have all the hardware. Um, right? So that's the whole other thing. Yeah. But uh, Basehead uses one. Oh, really? Which okay. I keep looking at Basehead and going, oh, I should, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to try a Basehead. And then I get to the part of, oh, right, I need another dongle. And well, I and this, stop and, and walk that away. Is, that's my main point, why I think manufacturers should get away from dongles and iLocks mm-hmm. and move and move towards the USB I can buy at London Drugs uh, model. Right. Um, Which still isn't perfect, though, either. Like, it's not perfect. Like but... I had um, my my waves, all my wave stuff on a USB stick, and the USB stick died. Yeah. And Waves lets you kind of recant your USB stick authorizations once a year. Yeah. And if if so, if my USB stick dies within a year, I don't know what I do. I beg and plead Waves to that I I'm truthful and. Yeah, please well, give me my licenses back. Well, and that's why I like buying plugins from smaller companies. You know, and their response well. was when I cause when they originally went to that, I was like, I want my stuff on an iLock because I have to carry around two things. And they're like, Well, you can authorize to your computer. I'm like, But then when I go home, I that computer isn't authorized. Like their system is like authorize it to a computer, then deauthorize it. Go to your next computer, authorize it, and then when you leave, deauthorize it. I'm like, I'm not doing that like twice a day. Yeah. Especially, and if I like go home and I've forgotten, mm-hmm. oh, I forgot to deauthorize my stuff. I can't do any stuff music work tonight. Yeah, you know. So I mean, and I, I I'm certainly not championing iLock or USB authorizations. I, I definitely believe that we can do something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Native Instruments just lets you authorize yeah, to multiple exactly. computers. You can you can have the application. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so much easier. Like, and, but I think, and I think it hurts businesses that use iLock. There, are, I still have iLock plugins. Yeah, but just because I know it's an if 
or it's a when not if situation that the thing goes down. Yeah, I I do avoid buying things that I don't think are absolutely crucial. Yeah, and I I have seen um, this is again secondhand. Um, I haven't experienced any of it, but I have seen and heard of people having major iLock problems and even paying them the zero downtime money, having huge problems with it. Yeah. Like it's not massively quick turnaround. It's just the it's, fact that it has to be shipped. You know. And I like can And I, all that that kind of stuff. And I think the other USB authorizations have the same kind of problems. Right. Like all this stuff dies. Yeah. You know, and there's in a lot of cases no good way to get the information back that of like this has died. Yeah. I need to keep working. Well, and I, ju- I also just feel that it is verifiable that you are losing money because people yeah. are saying, I won't buy this plugin. Yeah, totally. Whereas proving how much money you're losing to piracy is a lot more ambiguous. I'm not against the iLock as a thing. Yeah. Um, but I think that Pace could be doing a lot more to make the software work better, not have to deal with the customers better. Like, I think. Because mm-hmm. right now, the, it seems to be. That they're, uh, you know, a monopoly and they're just going to do whatever they want because you have to. Yeah. Which nobody ever likes when a company is like that. And those are my personal opinions. I don't have any facts to back them up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we got a question on Twitter. Yeah. We, uh, I kind of. Last minute. Yeah. Forgot to ask for questions. So I got one. And unfortunately, I've already forgotten who asked it even. But uh, he's new. And uh, he's only been he came from music background and was like, I'm now doing sound design. What are the free sound tools that are like good? Yeah. Not just like what's free, but like what what's actually like I can use pro level. Yeah. Wise. Um, I wrote down a couple of things. The plugin boutique website that sells plugins. Yes. They have a whole free section. Whole free section. So, so much stuff in there. So go look there. That's yeah. a step one. That's like I just did a quick search after the question. I was like, "Hey, what what are what pops up when I do free plugins?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh yeah, plugin boutique. They're they're legitly like worth. They're a reputable seller. Yes. So like they're they're gonna list stuff that's that's decent. Yeah. Plugin Alliance also has a couple of free plugins that are decent mm-hmm. and good. Uh, Acon, who mostly has done um, noise reduction software." Um, has one that's free called Multiply that's like a chorus delay thing. It's actually cool. really cool. Cool. Uh, like it's it's the kind of thing that they should probably sell for 100 bucks. Right. You know, it's good. What else do you know about? Uh, my friend Alessio Molina has designed a couple. Yeah. Uh, that are very cheap and or free. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's called Grain Player, which is awesome. It's a, it's a grain player. It's not <laughs> it much is well-named. Uh, these are standalones, um, so really good for creating source to, yep. to harken cool. hark back to what we were just talking about. Grain player is really good for making source. Uh, there's another one he made called RoboCoder, which is also super good for making source. It's just making robot vo- voices on the spot. It's, yep. it's super cool. Um I can't remember the one that I wanted to say, so skip that. You were, we were talking earlier about contact and some reactor, contact and reactor. I was talking more about reactor, and you were talking about contact. Yeah, but both of the both of them, you know, uh, native instruments, they're expensive pieces of software, but the library that comes with them is so huge that once you're kind of in. 
There's like for Reactor, there's like it comes with a lot of stuff, but then there's the whole online Reactor community and library that you Who can just made so many, so things. many things that you can grab for free. Then so it's yeah. like, and you can get both of those for cheap. I got Reactor for a hundred dollars. It yeah. goes on sale. Yeah, and uh, there's tons of Contact is a, a sampler. Yeah, and there's tons of free Contact instruments out there. Yeah, and there's and there's, even sound even specifically for sound design. Yeah, Contact's really good specifically for sound design. There are free Foley libraries. Yeah. Uh, I know there's some boot libraries and shoe boot libraries. libraries. Bryce Raffle at um, Ironclad Games. He made a typewriter. Yeah, uh, like he made the like a full on plugin awesome. plugin for Contact. Yeah. So yeah, so once you've got them, it opens up the huge library of stuff that you yeah. can start to like take advantage the, of. The Reactor ones that are free that I use all the time uh, yeah. are by Bosco Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, they are incredible. Sweet. There's especially one called Freezebee. That I use all the time. Awesome. Um, the other things I was going to say, not necessarily – well, one free. Sound Toys always seems to give a plug-in out at South by Southwest. Right. And then a code starts to proliferate around the internet. So you like – Yeah. Around the time of South by, start looking for the Sound Toys code. Right. And it's always something small but really cool. Like yeah. it's super useful. I use their, their some of their free stuff like every day. Cool. Along with that- Capitator. Little micro shift. Was yeah, that, that was one of the free yeah, ones. Yeah, um, I really like that one. Cool. Um, the Wave sales. Waves has started doing sales like crazy. They do like monthly sales, weekend sales, yeah. flash sales all the time. Like it's just it's worth keeping an eye on them. There's always- yeah, it's like once if you want to actually get in and start buying plugins, and you'll find yourself actually subscribing. To get emails, yeah, promotional emails, which I never thought I would be doing before right. for anything. They're yeah. usually you're like, I don't want more junk mail. Yeah, until you start buying plugins, then you're like, <laughs> yes, email yeah. me with all your deals. <laughs> uh, plugin plugin boutique has a sale going on pretty much all the time. Yeah, I got a Waves Silver for mm-hmm. super cheap, really cheap. Um, and the the great thing I find about Waves is once you're into the the Waves ecosystem, mm-hmm. this is good and bad. Yeah. Once you're into the Waves ecosystem, it's very easy to start upgrading your way up the chain. Mm-hmm. And there's even – they put sales on specifically on upgrades Yeah. sometimes. So you're like, oh, you get silver and then you wait around and an upgrade sale comes along and you're like, oh, I can upgrade to gold for like really cheap. So it's not free, but it's worth like following these companies and watching for their sales. Yeah, and totally. And like getting in on, on stuff. I, I have a huge plug-in library at this point. And the vast majority of it, I have bought through sales. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I, have, I haven't paid full price. I think for anything for years. Yeah, all the plug-in manufacturers probably hate me. Yeah, and if you get on the mailing list, you will get a lot of the time. You'll get offers that people aren't on the mailing list yeah. to get as well, especially with sound libraries. Totally. Um, Hiss and Aurora, you always get a discount mm-hmm. code. Yeah, uh, when their new libraries come new out. libraries. I'm pretty sure the recordist does it as well. Um, he does. And he does follow the recordist on Twitter. He uh, throws out a sound like every couple of weeks or every month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some like crazy weird thing from whatever he's working on at the time. Just, right. Like one sound. So weird can, sound of the day or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of – you start following all these these bits and pieces of stuff. And the other thing I was going to say, also not free, but Black Friday's coming up. Yeah. And – it really seems like a lot of the sample libraries and plugin manufacturers have really jumped on Black Friday, and every year I almost go bankrupt because <laughs> there's so many good deals. I maintained myself last year 
I only yeah. got Futz box, I think. I got a uh, contact or complete. Uh, I upgraded to complete on a Black Friday sale. Right. So it was really cheap and I know I have a ridiculous amount of stuff. Yeah. Um so yeah, look out look out for the look out for the sales. Yeah. Like one thing to be cautious about when working with free plugins is that you when they're free, you can't get too attached to them. Right. Because they're often are not supported. Yeah. They might even be like a hobby project uh, mm-hmm. of a developer. So if you upgrade your OS or upgrade your DAW, suddenly yeah, could... suddenly those sessions aren't going to work. I've had yeah. some massive problems with free plugins yeah. in the past where I've had to completely scrap sessions. Yeah. Um, and that means you can – if someone wants you to change that sound, um, you can't. <laughs> like that plugin just may not work. One anymore. one workaround. Um, it's not a hundred percent solution, but print your sounds with the effects on them. Yeah, I think that's so that you at least have, now. like, if you have five layers all with effects on them, print each layer, so you've got it. Like, you know, you can go back to a certain extent. You're like, oh my, half my plugins don't work because it's you know some crazy old version that. Yeah, plug- kind of, companies go out of business. Yeah. They stop supporting things. Um, so it's something to be careful of. Yeah. Paying for plugins ensures that you'll probably have support as long as that company's alive. Yeah. And at least if you've paid money, you've got somebody you can bitch to if there's a problem. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, I am a paying customer. Yeah. Fix this. Yeah. And there's probably more people and that's, who well, are that's also. A big, that's a big argument to not pirate as well. Like, if that's a that's a whole nother. If you're thing. pirating, you have no customer support. That, that if you if a, you're pirating, if you I don't ask wanna, for it. You're a jerk. If you're pirating, I don't want to work with you. If if you're pro, you pay. If you're making money off of other people's work, you pay the money. Yeah, yeah. One last thing, kind of tied into the free thing. Uh, NASA released a whole bunch of sounds for free. On the internet. It used to be, I guess they have been available for a while, but they put them all up on SoundCloud so they're really easy to get to and download. Cool. And it's a bunch of sounds recorded from space, uh, rocket launches. Um, and the really interesting thing about them is because it's a government agency, this is what I read, because it's a government agency, these are not copywritten. Right. So anybody can use these. And you can actually go onto the NASA website and find the license that goes with all of their stuff. Um, so I, I did read it and was like, yeah, you can use these in commercial projects. Awesome. You don't have to pay for them. You don't. It's Their license is more about you can't claim that NASA had anything to do with your stuff. Right. And it's like you can use their pictures. they by NASA. Yeah. You can't say that. You know, you can use And you can use a picture with the NASA logo in it. Yeah. And that's okay as long as there's no, like – this was okayed by NASA. Like really? NASA like is like cool Surprised with this to use the first person crazy. shooter game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's cool. They, they so are not that... affiliated with you in any way by using their stuff, but you can use it. And there's some really cool rocket takeoffs. Cool. And a lot of uh, like radio transmissions with the moon and stuff. Like it's really, it's deep and cool. Yeah. Oh, does it have like the symphony of planets on there? That was the, uh, no, because that was Eno's music. Oh, okay. And they do say there is some stuff that Was does he the continue. one that took the radio waves and yeah. converted them to sound waves? I think so. Cool. Or I might be thinking of, I'm thinking, might be thinking of another project. Okay. There's an Eno album 
that he did with Lanois and somebody else. Mm. Um, that's the radio transmissions from the moon landings. And then they made music to go with it. Cool. It's really cool. Um, so, yeah, but it's just the straight up, like. Just sounds. Uh, radio announcements between. Oh, wicked. You know, landing on the moon and rockets wow. taking off. And that's like, pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. And then just plain rockets taking off and then weird sounds that they recorded out in space. So, yeah, it's. That's it's awesome. So go grab that. Right on. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you.